you know, the Lord gives you the ability to make wealth. Why? So that my covenant will be established. It's like walking in abundance with the Lord. And I'm not, abundance is not just money. Abundance is ideas and resources and relationships and fullness of life and joy, all of that. But as we walk in abundance, it literally confirms that God is good. It confirms that he loves us. It confirms that he's for us, that he's, you know, got an incredible plan for our life. And I just, I, I will not walk in any less anymore in my life um, and believe that just because of the religious, you know, uh, thinking that's out there that um, that walking in the fullness of the kingdom is, is not for everybody. It absolutely is. And um, you can have as much of God and as much of his goodness in your life as you want Hey, welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. St. Ignatius said, the glory of God is man fully alive. Jesus said, it is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. This podcast is here to bring God glory through you becoming fully alive and you bearing much fruit or having powerful results in your life. I believe you can use your unique gifts and talents to change the world. If you listen to this show and read our blogs, you will be inspired to take your own journey of faith to become a man or woman who is fully alive, making an impact in the world around you. I interview people that I think are awesome that are doing that today to inspire and to challenge you, you can do the same. Let's get rolling. Today on the show, we're going to have Matt Tommy join us. He's a professional artist out of Asheville, North Carolina. He is a author of four books. We're going to be talking about his most recent book, Created to Thrive. And he is a mentor and professional coach to aspiring artists. And he runs that program called Matt Tommy Mentoring.com. I found Matt to be a fascinating guest and person, and when I was reading his latest book, he made the comment that the best output of our life is not the art we create or the business we create or the ministry we have. It actually is our life itself. That becomes the greatest sign and a wonder. And Matt is doing something fascinating with his life and is really thriving. In fact, The subtitle of his latest book is An Artist Guide to Divine Abundance. And I believe and Matt believes that you can live in divine abundance and in true kingdom prosperity, which is every facet of your life. And it's you're going to love this show. He starts off telling a little bit of the backstory about his uh, artwork and how he got involved in it and what drew him to it. So let's go ahead and get started there. I was a typical, you know, South Georgia kid. We'd go out and build forts and run around and, uh, you know, just have a good time. But I loved the idea that I could pull down vines or find bark or nests or things like that. It just really enamored me. I loved playing in the creek and finding crawdads and that sort of thing. And that all kind of came to a culmination when I was in college. And I was just working at a bookstore at the University of Georgia, working my way through college, and found a book on basket making, and it was about harvesting natural materials and, and making you know these sort of uh, containers and, and traditional structures from things you find in the woods. And I was like, this is awesome. This will be a way that I can tie all this stuff together that I'm finding in the woods. And um, so it really, for 15 years of my life, while I was doing other things professionally, my baskets was uh, a hobby 
and really kind of a, a personal creative expression that not that many people knew about, but it's something that I really loved. So how did how did, so? For 15 years, kind of having something that you love to do that maybe not a lot of people knew about, um, that, how did that go from that being a part of your life, but your quote maybe doing something else, you know, for work and for life and other focus, how did that transition happen from you being more of a hobbyist to really be, becoming, you know, even the conceptually thinking about maybe I could live off this or make money at this or be an yeah. artist yeah you know early on in college and even in high school i began to sense a call to ministry and so i the only way that i knew to do that was to work for a church and you know i got into youth ministry was working at summer camps and that kind of fed the creative outdoor part of me as well and then after college i became uh, a worship pastor and did that up until 2002 and um then our, our first son was born in 2000, or our only son, actually, uh, was born in 2003. And during that time, I actually started um, a small ad agency in Atlanta. We were doing graphic design and websites and collateral development for nonprofits and small businesses. And that was really going great until um, about 2007, 2008, when the economy started tanking. And mm-hmm. it was one of those times that whole season of life was a season where the Lord was taking me through a lot of healing in my own heart because I had been through just a lot of junk from my childhood and a lot of baggage in regards to my own identity, mm-hmm. who God was, who I was in relationship with God, authority in my life. And so during that healing process, the Lord began to wake up this love for my baskets again. And it was almost like I, I was telling somebody the other day, it's like the real mat really began to come alive again. And that, for me, you know, when that starts to happen in your life, whatever you've been doing, you know it. And the Lord begins to draw you in that direction. And it was just an incredible uh, time in my life. And so that started this whole journey of thinking about, well, what could this look like? And Lord, what are you doing? Because I felt him drawing me back into ministry and, and wanting to use my life, you know, in that way. But at the same time, I knew that I just couldn't go back into church as usual and uh, and do the same old thing I'd done before. So. Yeah, so so let me ask you about this because it's so interesting because I talked to John Eldridge, and he made this comment that said, when people start to receive healing, all of a sudden there's this, like, this burst of creativity that they never knew yeah. was there. And that's yeah. almost exactly what you're, you're saying. As you got healthier, as you got whole, you know, from from vows or wounds or things that weren't true about you or what your experience was, and and you started to discover maybe who God had made you. All of a sudden, this true self came out, if you will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's fascinating. <laughs> well, and that was the whole crux of my first book, Unlocking the Heart of the Artist, was. That was really my story is that I realized that, wow, I was living off of an incredibly wounded, uh, skewed blueprint that was, you know, you know, the song, you know, looking through rose-colored glasses, I was looking through wounded-colored glasses. And yeah. so everything that I was uh, looking at in my life was, uh, was tainted by this identity that was based in, you know, being fearful and being afraid and uh, performance and all this sort of thing. So in the... Obviously, I started realizing then as the Lord started bringing me through that healing process that, wow, this doesn't just affect my life uh, by myself, but my, obviously, relationship with my wife. And then also, as a creative, 
it affected in a major way the ability of the Holy Spirit to flow through my life. And so I just always describe it like a pipe. You know, if you got if the pipe is all gunked up, you know, then as soon as you get all that clean, all of a sudden your capacity enlarges uh, for the Holy Spirit to begin to flow through your life, and the real expression of who God's made you to be can can come forth. So that that was that whole unlocking process to me. So. Yeah, one of the things that I've heard people describe God uh, as is sort of like, well, if it's something that I desire and find pleasure in, then it's probably not God. <laughs> <laughs> That's sad. Isn't that a helpful thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I hang around a lot of depressing people. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, but uh, but you know this concept that you know that desire and pleasure and and fulfillment and God somehow are not combined together, which is a broken idea of who God is. Yeah, period. Yeah, and, and and looking through the world through wounded glasses. Uh, as well, how when that transition started to happen for you? I mean, did you did you find the pleasure of God in the things you were doing? Like that 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 guy from Runners Chariots at Fire that says, "I feel God's pleasure when I run." Mm-hmm. You know. Well, you know that was an interesting thing because anytime I would you know be in the woods and harvesting materials or whatever, I would really you know sense God's pleasure. I did really deep fulfillment and that sort of thing, but I had no context for being able to do that kind of work as uh, an artist, much less full-time and get paid for it. How do you regulate that? How do you plan? I mean, I was, and I was still very much in an idea, um, which most people are in, um, that I was responsible for providing for my family. I was responsible for going out and finding money and that sort of thing. And so the Lord just began to shift um, through a number of circumstances, my whole understanding of how finances and how provision works in the kingdom. And so, you know, the economy tanked. Three of my biggest clients went bankrupt, and so we shut down the business. I did what every hardworking American guy is taught to do, which is go out, shake a leg, and try to find some other work. And I did. I hated it. Um, Got laid off again at a company that I was working for. And then was on the short list at several really large churches to be a worship pastor. I was thinking about getting back into worship again and, just knew it was not my DNA, and I turned down the last one of those offers, and I was sitting in a parking lot in, uh, near my house in northwest Atlanta at the time, and I just remember saying, well, Lord, what am I going to do now? I mean, you know, what about, you know, okay, great. i got a kid at home and a mortgage and all this kind of thing, and what am I supposed to do? And the Lord told me, he said, I want you to go home and lay on the floor and worship me, and your provision is going to come like popcorn. And I'm like, what? I mean, what does that even mean? And so, you know, being a worshiper, I love that. Being a worshiper and, you know, I mean, I'm just being honest. It was like I have, I had no clue. So I went home. I, you know, my wife's going to work. Uh, my little boy was in babysitters, and I would literally spend six or eight hours a day playing my keyboard, laying on the floor, reading Bill Johnson's Dreaming with God. It had just come out, listening to worship music, just on my face before the Lord. Um, trying to hear him, and in the middle of that season, he woke me up two mornings in a row with a Jason Upton song, Lion of Judah, which was real popular at that point. Um, this got this bridge that says, raise up an army, raise up an army, raise up an army, like Joel saw. And I got up the second morning at 3.09 in the morning and went down to my studio, 
and opened up Joel 3.9, and it said, go to the nations and raise up an army of artists, or an army, and gather the warriors and the weaklings. And I was like, Lord, what does this mean for me? You know, because at 3.09, I'm thinking, is this pizza? Is this me? I don't know. You know, what's going on? And the Lord's like, no, man, I've called you as a father to artists to go to the nations and raise up an army of artists to reveal my glory in the earth. And when the Lord established that vision in my heart, that was kind of my Gideon moment, if you will, you know, in the threshing floor going, me? I mean, really? Because the father wound and, you know, trusting my father and being wounded by my father, that was probably the biggest thing that I'd had to deal with in my life. And yet here was the Lord using the deepest place of brokenness in my life to be the thing that he wanted to release his glory through. And that, that changed everything. Um, but I still didn't know what it had to do with baskets because, <laughs> because I'm like, I don't see a basket nowhere in Scripture except with Moses going down the river. And so <laughs> I don't know what this has to do with this. And, and right after that, I had a, a real just intense encounter with the Lord for the next week. And part of what he told me was that my calling was ministry and marketplace both full-time, and um, he just began to really give me a vision for what I'm doing now, which is working in the marketplace as a full-time artist and sculptor. I make sculpture for luxury mountain homes, and but also working as a father to artists in ministry to help other artists come into the fullness of who God's called them to be. So. Man, so, so much is in there. You know, one of the thoughts that I had in, in hearing that story was the idea of artists uh, as warriors or yeah. artists as an army. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? Because the image of the... <laughs> I have a funny image. So basically, the image I have is, is, is people given special gifts like supernatural power, you know, like... Like here is your, you have the ability to shoot fire. You can, you know, create ice or whatever. And they're all kind yeah. of wandering around in the camp going, well, I mean, what is this going to do? I don't know that this has any purpose. <laughs> and they're all just kind of like meandering around the mountain wondering about, well, I don't think, you know, just all self-consumed and doubtful. <laughs> Not an army. Yeah. But so I'm very yeah, curious what your, per, what your view, vision of that is. <laughs> Well, you know, initially it was that kind of that valley of dry bones of, you know, people, most artists not believing in themselves. Of course, you know, the proverbial starving artist mentality, all this sort of thing, believing that, you know, their art will never help them prosper, never be able to make a living from it. Everybody thinks that they're crazy even trying to make a living from it. And then what does God have to do? Because, you know, I grew up like a lot of most people in the South, at least, in, in an evangelical you know, church that where it was just kind of like, give us the truth. You know, we don't want all the fluff. We just want give us the give us the word. You know, and I started having this real encounter with the Lord. This like, wow, when Jesus taught the truth of the kingdom, he taught it in the context of beauty, and he taught it in the context of story and of creativity. And you can't separate the truth of the parables uh, by by just taking the nuggets of uh, you know the the exegesis out of it, you've got to take the whole story because the story is as much truth as the point of the story. And so mm. I began to realize that, wow, the story that God wants to tell on the earth is not just get saved and get out of hell. The story <laughs> that, that God wants to tell on the earth is that we've been restored as sons and daughters 
to release his light and life and beauty and to be his ambassadors on the earth. And when we create, you know, it's not just that we're creating, you know, so that somebody gets saved per se, you know, and, and you can't, it's not a transactional kind of thing, you know, uh, it, it's that we are literally prophetically showing people that the beauty that's in our work and the beauty that's in our process and the process in which we see and agree with heaven and release that through our creative expression is is not just ancillary to to the kingdom, but it's literally how the kingdom works. And so in every area of life, whether somebody's in business or family or, you know, education, whatever, you know, mountain, if you will, that you've been called to or placed in, the way that the kingdom happens in your life is creativity, that you see and agree with heaven and then release that in your unique sphere of influence. And so that, I think, being forerunners in that, you know, it, it's about the art, and yet it's not about the art. It's really about the, the process of freeing people up to be able to live that authentically, however God's called them. So, so that, that so in, what an entrustment. I mean, that is an incredible vision for the Lord to, to, to call you to. And, and to my commentary before, you know, you don't get the idea of the, an army in advancing the kingdom in artists. That seems to be an oxymoron. Uh, yeah. But yet I believe that they, you know, that they, they tend to see things differently and they tend to be forerunners in areas where people, you know, they don't venture close to and they're out on the edge. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think the, the interesting thing that I've seen over and over, not only um, in my work, but in the work of other people who I've, you know, had the pleasure to work with is that God uses our art almost as this kind of secret back door <laughs> where as, as people, I write about this in my second book, Creativity According to the Kingdom, is this idea that our art becomes this intersection point where heaven meets earth. And when the artist cooperates with the Holy Spirit and creates this piece of work and then releases it into the marketplace, it's almost like the Holy Spirit's waiting on the other side, waiting for somebody to listen to that song, read that poem, look at that painting, you know, come to that play, look at that basket, whatever it is. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit can use that uh, expression, that, that spirit-filled and, and spirit-nurtured expression of our heart to minister to their heart. And it happens in a way that's, that's so not left brain, you know, because when people look at art, their guard is down. They're, they're intuitively right brain, you know. Uh, loving the experience and that sort of thing. They're so much more open than if you just came up to somebody and said, you know, do you know Jesus? Because I heard somebody say a long time ago, if good preaching and good singing was going to save the world, it would have been done a long time ago. And yeah. so I think one of the reasons why God is using creativity is, is really to, you know, it's the foolish things that, that shame the wise. <laughs> you know, it's the foolish things that God uses that, don't make any any sense to our uh, cognitive, natural processing mind that are the most powerful things that bring us into encounter with Him. You know, there there is a, there is something you share in your book, Creative to Thrive, that when I read it, I just was like, I got very excited to talk to you. And, and you basically, <laughs> you said you talked about our lives be, being a sign and a wonder, 
And it's mm. so interesting because Erwin um, uh, McManus in his book, The Artesian Soul, he talks about your life being your best artwork, what you do with your life. Uh, you know, when people f- discover people like you and they're like, how are you doing what you do? I mean, how do you, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's salt and light. It's when a person's Absolutely. life that truly is tuned into who God has created them to be and they really have the, 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 the bravery and the courage to walk out in it, it becomes a wonder. Yeah. Because it's different. Absolutely. So can you talk about a little bit about, you know, that? Just your, you know, I mean, do you find that to be true? I mean, people, some are like, how do you do what you do? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I think, you know, there's so much in the prophetic art movement right now. Of, you know, I want people that when they see my work, you know, they get healed and all that. And I'm like, yes, praise God. You know, we want that. But, and that's happening all over the world, uh, even as we speak. But at the same time, I find that for myself, the most powerful encounters that I have are when people encounter my life. Yep. Uh, when they when they begin to ask those questions, and so just to you know back up a little bit, you know when the Lord began to release that vision of raising up an army of artists, the thing, the most definitive thing that began to happen to me was beyond anything ever experienced in my life, the favor of God began to pour out in ways that I've never experienced before. And I was just reading Chris Bellison's new book um, about uh, poverty, riches, and wealth, and he said the same thing that I've been saying for years is like when the when the favor of God begins to come on you, it's almost embarrassing because it starts to come in such like tidal waves. And so three months after, um, not even quite three months after I had that dream, I had a lady give me an art gallery in northwest Atlanta, handed me the keys the second time that I met her. We began to gather artists wow. and began to have worship nights and I began to have a small group and all that. God just began to mobilize uh, these artists. And then in the middle of that, he picked us up and moved us to Asheville, North Carolina. And the Lord said, I'm I'm moving you to a seat of influence in the arts to put you in the seat of influence in the arts. Now, although that sounds really great, at that point, I was still quite unsure about what God was doing with my basketry because I was still doing it as a hobby. I was selling $25 baskets at little art festivals and that sort of thing. And within two years of being here, the Smithsonian recognized me as an American artist under 40. I won an award in Europe at a big fiber um, you know, conference that was over there with artists from uh, 30-something different countries. My work began to be collected uh, all over the place. Uh, I just, it, it was like the Lord supernaturally began to give me a career to now my work sells for thousands and thousands of dollars it's collected in some of the finest homes all over the country and it is a sign and a wonder and so people are like man this didn't happen i mean how does this happen <laughs> how did you get this you know to do this and i'm like man it's just the lord because it's about learning to listen to his voice learning to respond to the word of the lord see and agree with him in the in the journey that he has you on, and and when you do that, I, I I just call it the kingdom work of working normally. You know, most people call it oh well, you know, like God's in a good mood or God's giving you all this favor. I'm like, no, this is your new normal when you're in the kingdom, and when you learn to connect with him, he wants to do this not just in me but in all of us and use the abundance 
and beauty that's happening in our life to draw other people to him. So, so I'm going to lean in on this. So you are a sign and a wonder, and there are many signs and wonders, and there are so few, I would say, Christians that dial into this favor of the Lord, this process of thinking as the Lord thinks about uh, us and others and what's possible. Uh, it, it's all right. So without going on the negative side of that, because, you know, so many people look at it and be like, well, who are you paying off? Or you're lucky. Or, you're the, and they just dismiss it all. I rather yeah. want to believe that the listeners and myself, we want to be a part of that that possibility. Uh, if God is offering, I'm open, if you will. So that being, said, that being said, Psalms, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Proverbs 23, 7, you, you go into this into your book, and I really love how much you, you dig into this. You're, and it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And I want to talk to you about the thought processes that you had to change to go from it's not possible, and this is, you know, and all the limit, limitations we put on it to, to really believing the things that God was saying about you yeah. and what's possible. Can you talk, help people there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, growing up, for example, religious family, everybody loved the Lord at church all the, you know, every time the doors was open, and yet when I was 11, 12 years old, began to experience uh, sexual abuse in my life by a same-sex cousin. Um, it was just a really, really difficult situation all through my high school years uh, and junior high years. Uh, really threw my identity into great turmoil. Mm. And because I was a musician and performer, and also because you know this is the mid-80s, nobody was talking about this kind of right. thing. Right. You know, we talk about that sort of thing openly nowadays. <laughs> nobody talked about that. And so I learned very early on to hide stuff, perform, everything's great. I call it tap dancing for Jesus. You know, everything's coming up roses. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so everything's just perfect, and it was not. Yeah. And so I just learned, you know, I don't feel things. I don't express my heart. Uh, I wasn't sure where God was in the middle of that, and so it put me in a really difficult place with him, this kind of performance thing where I was always trying to, please him by the things that I did. And then, not to mention, at the same time, and praise God, he's restored my relationship with my dad, but um, I had a really, really difficult time with my dad. And so I was seeing God through the eyes, you know, of my dad. And mm. um, it was just really, really, really difficult. And so any pastor that I worked for, any authority figure that I had in my life, I had major mistrust for. I would uh, sabotage those relationships, work to manipulate them. I mean, it was just, I was a mess. Yeah. I mean, you know, I often jokingly say, you know, some people have issues and some people have lifetime subscriptions. And I had a lifetime <laughs> subscription. I mean, I just, I was a mess. Yeah. And about 2002, 2001, 2002, the Lord began to bring some people into my life where I could begin to walk through some of these issues. And I started realizing that, you can choose, and it's God's design that we choose the grid from which we live our life. You can be saved, you can love Jesus, and yet you can be operating off of a wounded blueprint of your life. And when I say blueprint, I mean, you know, uh, the way that you think, the movie that's playing 
inside your head all the time, what you really believe about you and God and what's possible and all of that. And, and the Bible has given us a strategy for how to shift that, and it's called renewing your mind. And, and you know, Paul talks about it in Romans. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. That is, don't do life like everybody else does it. Don't think about life like everybody else does but be fundamentally changed by the renewing of your mind. And that's what it's talking about in Proverbs, that as, as we think, the, the patterns of our, our thinking, the way that we think determines the boundaries and what manifests in our life. And I just started realizing slowly but surely, and then it kind of, as a tidal wave, started happening that, wow, if I change what I'm thinking about and I – Instead of sowing fear and anxiety and mistrust and woundedness, if I'll take those thoughts captive, replace those with the Word of God, and sow those in my heart, that will be the fruit that comes forth in my life. And I realize that your heart is an incubator. So whatever you put in your heart, it's kind of like gravity. You know, whether you love Jesus or not, if you get up on that building and jump, you're going to go splat, you know, <laughs> outside of a, a miracle. And so the same thing is true in your heart. If you put a bunch of junk and fear and worry and all that kind of stuff and self-deprecation and um, all that in your heart, that's what you're going to experience in your life. But if you sow the kingdom, the kingdom begins to come forth in your life. And that, for me, was the most and still is the most exciting thing uh, about life in the kingdom is that we get to co-labor with the Holy Spirit in the life that we live. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me about like a, a shift that, like practically speaking. So the Lord speaks over you. I want you to be a father to artists or father. I want you to raise up an army, and that's an yeah. identity, right? God is giving you uh, an identity in as a part of that calling. Not only you're a son, but you're a father. And 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 did did you have to like? resist or break agreements or vows or things that you know that you felt were true about you but you said no I have to agree with God about this even though I think or feel otherwise absolutely and that's you know that's kind of the basic process that I walk through in the book is is this whole idea of you know Jesus what do you say about me you know what what's your truth you know for me not just because most people believe about themselves what everybody else has said or uh, the result of trauma or woundedness in their life or things that they've walked through. And, you know, God has designed it where we would uh, base our life uh, on what he said and realign. That's, that's what sanctification is all about, I believe, is, is this realignment with uh, who God says that we are so that we begin to believe that his truth is the truth that defines our life not the truth that um, not the truth that I've been experiencing, and, and and here's the bottom line, you know, especially when it comes to habit and you know things that um, are difficult patterns in our life that we really nurtured for a long time. You have more experience with that negative thing than you do with this new reality, and so it does take uh, daily, moment by moment, taking those thoughts captive. I, I mean, I like to literally think of it as thoughts as like an arrow you know, coming into your brain and you got to catch that thing and look at it and say, now, does this line up with the Word of God or not? And if it doesn't, I'm going to throw it away and I'm going to purposefully choose a thought, uh, a promise, something from God's Word that 
defines who I am based on God's word and sow that in my heart. So I'm a big affirmations person. You know, I'm always, you know, walking around. Father, thank you that I'm the head, not the tail, above and not beneath. God, thank you that it's you that gives me the ability to make wealth. Thank you that, according to Second Peter, you've already given me everything I need for life and godliness. Those are the things, you know, and I could just go on and on and on. <laughs> mm. My son gives me, he's 14, he gives me a, a hard time because one of the affirmations I say is, you know, I'm so happy and thankful now that money comes to me in ever-increasing quantities through multiple sources on a continual basis. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but I just rehearse these things in my heart that God has given me. And over time, your heart and your mind begin to shift into alignment so that those become your normal operating procedure or, or what most people call your paradigm. The Lord's way and process is a way of life and prosperity and abundance. And, yeah. and, and, and it's really more our, our sort of grid that sort of says, nah, that's just yeah. make-believe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it really takes training to be, you know, if you look at the Scripture, the Scripture is not teaching, you know, uh, disparity and 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 uh, struggle and death no. all the time. It is not that is not the gospel. That's right. I mean, you look at one of the. I think one of the most interesting scriptures. You look in Deuteronomy where the Lord is talking about His covenant with His people and says, "If you know the Lord gives you the ability to make wealth, why? So that my covenant will be established." It's like walking in abundance with the Lord. And I'm not, abundance is not just money. Abundance is ideas and resources and relationships and fullness of life and joy, all of that. But as we walk in abundance, it literally confirms that God is good. It confirms that he loves us. It confirms that he's for us, that he's, you know, got an incredible plan for our life. And I just, I I will not walk in any less anymore in my life um, and believe that just because of the religious you know, uh, thinking that's out there that um, that walking in the fullness of the kingdom is, is not for everybody. It absolutely is. And um, you can have as much of God and as much of his goodness in your life as you want if you'll lean into it. Yeah, and, and I love that scripture, Jeremiah 20 and 11, where the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, prosper not you. to harm you. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting. He would say not to harm you. It's almost like our default yeah. mechanism. Something bad's yeah. going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. It's like, well, the Lord has plans for to, to prosper you, not for harm to come on you. What are, right. So, what, right. are, so what does your future vision that. look like? You know, does <laughs> it al- does it align with bad things happen or more bad things are going to happen and harm's going to happen, or is it aligned to no? I have plans to prosper you. In the That's right. So, That's right. <laughs> so it's good. A beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, I think, when you start to realize that because those, whatever you agree with in your life, you literally give it permission to operate. Hmm. And so I, I've just decided in my life I'm not going to agree with things that don't line up with God's vision for my life, his plan for my identity. Uh, I, I'm not going to agree with those things. I'm going to be radical about getting those things out of my life and planting the seeds of the kingdom so that that fruit comes forth. And, and I'm and just for the listeners' sake, uh, you know, God 
you are a sign and a wonder that what you are saying and what the Word of God teaches is true. We're not just, it's not just make-believe, uh, and you fought for it, and you didn't come from an easy place. It wasn't like a silver spoon, you know, for you. No. <laughs> that's right. So, so that— it's a, it's a journey. I think that's the thing people got to realize. It's, you know, it's not like—because people see, you know, people may look at my life or other people's life, you know, that are walking in, you know, what some people are just like, oh, man, you're like living the dream. Well, it ain't living the dream. It's, you know— I remember T.D. Jakes, you know, said one time people were coming up to him and, oh, brother, will you pray for, you know, give, you know, impart your anointing on my life. And he's like, I, you know, no, because <laughs> you don't want to go through what I went through to get what I got. You know, it's, all of us have a journey and all of us have a different expression of the kingdom. And um, I'm just saying that there's a whole lot more out there than what 99.9 percent .9 of people in the church and much less outside the church, are experiencing in their life. Yeah, I so believe it. So, Matt, it's been so fun having you on. If people want to get in touch with you, where should they go? They can go to matttommymentoring.com. That's where all my work with artists happen and the mentoring program that we have. And if they want to see my artwork, they can just go to matttommy.com. And uh, I've just launched my brand-new podcast, which is called The Thriving Christian Artist, which is on iTunes and Stitcher and Google Play, and I'd love for them to check that out as well. Yeah, I've listened to your podcast, read your books, totally recommend it. So any listeners out there, you really want to be aligned and better aligned with what the Lord is, is teaching through scriptures, uh, through Matt, uh, you know, definitely go check out his resources, podcasts, books, websites. Thank you so much, Matt. Absolutely. I've enjoyed it. It's been fun. Hey, if you like the podcast and you want to show us some love, we're on Instagram at The Kindling Fire. Uh, go follow us there, and I put some cool stuff in the Insta stories, and uh, it would be cool to interact with you there. So just a reminder, follow us on Instagram, and be awesome. If you've been encouraged and inspired by the show and you would like to know what else we've got going on, go to thekindlingfire.com. There you can join the fire starters which is a facebook messenger community i let know first anytime i do anything you can also get a book there called you can certainly do it that i've written to really encourage you to take your first steps to really start the small fire that god's starting in your life uh, in addition to that you can sign up for the seven day bible devotional become a sign and wonder and as always be awesome